الجزيرة بودكاست Chad hosts hundreds of thousands of refugees from Sudan and more have been pouring in since the latest fighting began last month. But beyond that, what does the war in Sudan mean for Chad and how much of a threat is it to its security? I'm Imran Khan and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. Let's bring in our guest now in N'Djamena, Rimadji Hoinathi, a senior researcher covering Chad and Africa's Great Lakes region for the Institute of Security Studies. In Manama, Abdul Khaliq Shaib, a Sudanese lawyer, analyst and member of the Arab Association of Constitutional Law, and Addis Ababa, Solomon Derso, founding director of Armani Africa, a pan-African think tank that focuses on peace and security policy in Africa. A warm welcome to you all. Uh, I'd like to begin with Rimadji. Uh, Rimadji, there are 20... 20,000 refugees in Chad already from neighboring Sudan. That number's rising every single day. Is this threatening the stability of Chad? Uh, thank you. Uh, I think that, uh, no. Firstly, it's not about uh, those refugees threatening the stability uh, of Chad in a whole, but what those uh, huge number of refugees bringing, and uh, the situation is unfolding, so it might be that uh, this number may rise again. What it's bringing is more stress on uh, the national uh, humanitarian system, but also the international humanitarian uh, aid organization, mainly the UN, that uh, is taking care of the refugees here in the country. Uh, Because even prior to the conflict in Sudan, uh, the system was already under stress because uh, the World Food Program that is here, one of the main humanitarian organizations, uh, publicly communicated on the fact that they were in shortage of meals. Uh, meaning uh, fundings to take care of the refugees that were already in the country. So uh, this uh, huge number from Sudan in um, the last weeks might then be adding stress uh, on a system that is already uh, facing a lot of challenges. Uh, Let's bring in now... um Uh, Abdul Khaliq um, Shaib, who's joining us from Manama. Uh, Where is the Sudanese uh, government here? Where is the rapid support forces when it comes to their relations with Chad? Do they have good relations with Chad? I think think they have have a a, a relationship with with, with Chad and it's historic with the the Sudanese government. Uh, um, uh, But also you need to look at it from another perspective, which is basically the RSF, some of the... the, uh, um, uh, personal fighting with the RSF, they are coming from Chad. There's tribal um, uh, um, uh, tribes in both borders. There's um, uh, family relationships and interracial and, and married relationships between between the two. So the the borders has been the the case that people fleeing the Darfur area, the East Darfur, uh, um, uh, for 20 years now since the uh, since the war in Darfur. This has you know witnessed some sort of. Uh, um, uh, stability when the Juba peace agreement has been signed. But again, I mean, people now, they're thinking that, you know, they need to flee to, to Chad, and mainly those who are in East Darfur, um, Central Darfur, and, and, and Darfur area, where the fight between the uh, between RSF have, you know, uh, uh, troops there, and the Sudanese army as well. So um, it's historic relationship, but again, by the, uh, by, and I agree with your guess that, you know, the, the number will be increasing. Uh, and people there, you know, seeking different ways to leave Sudan in general, whether whether through Chad, through uh, through South Sudan, through um, Egypt, or through uh, Ethiopia. 
Uh, let's bring in um, Solomon Derso here. Solomon, there's about seven countries that neighbour um, uh, Sudan. Uh, all of those are facing a refugee crisis of sorts as people try and get out. Um, is there a way that these countries can come together uh, and try and sort this out as a unified bloc, or are there too many divisions within them all? And what does, and in particular, what's Chad's role here? Indeed, um, the situation in Sudan is very dire. And if, as you know, many people fear, the conflict continues uh, and becomes protracted, there is a danger that Sudan would be fragmented. And a fragmented uh, Sudan that is in conflict uh, would also inevitably spill over uh, the insecurity into neighboring countries. Uh, it's important to recall that the relationship between Sudan and Chad, historically as well, is one where, uh, for example, uh, rebel groups from operating from Chad have been successful in launching a campaign against Khartoum in previous years. And some of them came uh, closer to uh, even Khartoum uh, in previous years. It is the result of you know, the rapprochement between um, Hartum and N'Djamena that actually enabled to stem the uh, base of the rebel groups in Chad uh, that uh, turned the page uh, in terms of Sudan's uh, squeezing the, 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 rebel, the, the rebel groups. Uh, and we have to also recall uh, what is the, the fragility and the existence of armed groups operating in the north of uh, Chad as well. Um, and they may be able also to uh, take advantage of this situation uh, for their own purpose. So right. for all neighboring countries, um, the fragility and fragmentation of Sudan uh, would be very disastrous. And indeed, uh, if the stability and whatever remain fragile stability that needs to continue both in the Sahel region, in the Central Africa region, in the Horn of Africa region, is going to continue. It is imperative that these countries come together, um, right. you know, living with their differences and, uh, you know, uh, arrest this situation so that they would avoid the wars that could come. Let me bring in here Abdul Khaliq. Abdul Khaliq, our guest in Addis Ababa, has said he's worried about a fragmented Sudan. Do you think that's a realistic fear? I think um, uh, so far, if you look at what happened in um, uh, Libya and what happened in Syria, what happened, you know, in the countries that, you know, had a, an Arab Spring, in a way, the, the revolution started peacefully. Um, so we had a revolution in Sudan, or not a prison in Sudan, that it started peacefully in December 2018. It continued until April 2019. Um, it resulted in an agreement, which is basically a political share, um, a political agreement that divided power between civilians and the, uh, and the military. So we had some sort of stability for two years before the coup in uh, October 2021. But again, the, 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 what is worrying right now is basically you have an equal force to the Sudanese armed forces, which is, you know, the rapid support forces, which is, you know, completely outside the, uh, the supervision and oversight of the, of the um, Sudanese armed forces. Uh, but people, they have, you know, different speculations about who started this in the, on the 15th of October. But by the end of the day, if this, 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 People, they still think that this can be contained. People, they still think that, you know, the, 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 the transition has to continue. Um, people still think that, you know, um, 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 you know, war is not going to bring any 
uh, peace or stability for Sudan. But again, the position that has been taken by the Sudanese armed forces is that you know there is no negotiations right now with the uh, with the. Uh, with the uh, with the uh, with the uh, with the RSF, at least not with 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 his deputy, um, his brother Abdurrahim. So the fear is there that you know fragmented Sudan will, will will make it worse for everyone in the region, for the Horn of Africa, for the neighboring countries, whether Egypt or Ethiopia or or or, or uh, Chad. But no one has any interest for this to happen. Not the uh, not the not the not the international community at large, who've invested too much on 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 having a political agreement or political framework agreement to see uh, to see the light. Uh, it, it is still a possibility. Uh, for now, who is fighting is basically the RSF, um, the uh, and the Sudanese armed forces. If we find people and civilians have to defend themselves, then the risk is very high that we can go to civil war. Until now, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's remote, um, but we can see there's a control of uh, um, uh, who's fighting, who's controlling these uh, uh, weapons and, 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 uh, and arsenal. But then uh, the risk is there. There's no political situation for, for these, these uh, troops to leave Khartoum, for these troops to go to their backs. I think the risk is high, and, and, and we might um, unexpectedly, be in a position where where Sudan is is uh, is another another Libya or another uh, another Syria for, for for years to come, and no one has any interest to see that. Well, let me bring in Solomon Derso here in Addis Ababa. Solomon, uh, Chad is a U.S. ally. The U.S. has a number of allies surrounding uh, Sudan, although its relationship with Sudan itself has been strained, shall we say, over uh, over many years. Do you think Chad has a role, a diplomatic, political role to play in the resolution of the conflict? I think um, Chad can contribute indeed for uh, the resolution of uh, the, 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 this uh, crisis. Uh, every neighboring country, I would say, uh, of Sudan uh, has a stake, but also have a positive role to play for the resolution of uh, this, this, this conflict uh, by using any influence uh, that they may have uh, on uh, both sides uh, of the uh, conflict, uh, the, the conflict between party, the Sudan Armed Forces and the Rapid Support Forces. Um, but I think it's also important to remember that uh, Chad is also itself going through a transition and not dissimilar to that of uh, Sudan. Um, it is similar to Sudan in the sense that uh, in Chad, uh, we have also uh, a military uh, government uh, that is leading a transition post, um, although it has not been sanctioned in the way that uh, Sudan was sanctioned by the African Union. Uh, but the conditions are similar, and there are right. contestations as well within, within Chad as well. So um, there is a limit to what Chad, Chad can do, uh, but all the same, within those limits, uh, I think it's uh, important to bring in, uh, because if you don't bring in all the neighboring countries, uh, mm. the risk is that uh, their exclusion would leave a vacuum uh, that may easily be ex exploited uh, you know, to undermine uh, the diplomatic effort to bring peace uh, and um, uh, seize the fighting in in in, in her too. Well, let me bring in let me bring in Ramaji now from uh, N'Djamena. Uh, Ramaji, is there a limited role that Chad can play because of this transition that our guest in Addis Ababa was talking about? Uh, I, I think that uh, I'm sorry for the the connection, but uh, uh, I think as my colleague just said, Chad can play a role. 
Uh, and let us recall the fact that just before the, uh, these actually fightings in, uh, in Sudan, uh, Chad received um, a successively two visits, uh, first from El Buran himself and the day after from uh, Emeti, uh, meaning in a way that for the belligerent actually fighting in Sudan, uh, Chad could play a role uh, in what's happening in the country. Uh, and uh, I totally agree on the fact that uh, Chad, at the moment, is also managing uh, a transition uh, with a lot of internal uh, contestations uh, and a position that is somehow fragile, but also facing a lot of uh, security perils inside. But uh, uh, definitely, I think a solution to a conflict like the one in Sudan actually has absolutely to uh, be uh, regionally set. So in that, uh, in that way, uh, Chad... Central African Republic, but all the countries that actually surrounding Sudan needs to be implicated in uh, finding solutions to the actual uh, actual crisis. Abdul Khalik, I mean, here we are, another situation where you have a country that's almost on the brink of a civil war. Sudan is fighting with each other. You have the paramilitary forces, the rapid support forces, you have the government. Uh, no one's talking about peace right now, but all of the regional countries, uh, including Chad, are wondering what that means for them. But the, the two power players in Sudan are to saying to the world that this is an internal conflict right now. They're not interested in talking. So what does the international community do? What does a country like Chad do with 20,000 refugees arriving at its border, more coming uh, every day? What's the short term that countries like Chad can do? I think it's... Um, 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 let me chime in here. I think it's a bit... It's a bit um, uh, uh, unrealistic to suggest that one single country can play a, a, a role even if it, it might be a nominal role that like my colleague has said it's it's it, it should be a very limited role and and then the scope of that role and the boundaries that it can move in the margin is 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 very slim for for, for chat to play a role you've already had you know the quad you had you know saudi you had the americans you had the uh, um uh, emirates and then you had the uk as part of a if uh, a mechanism and then you have the trilateral mechanism which is basically egad african union and the uh, and unanimous so you've you've had mechanics in place in in khartoum that in a way or another they failed to contain that that conflict for so far but again there's initiatives you know between the saudis and the americans to at least suggest a ceasefire and for that ceasefire to be permanent um, uh, what they are doing right now is, is that they are extending the truce for 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 allowing you know um, uh, guaranteed um, uh, secured um, uh, safe routes for 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 allowing you know humanitarian aid to come to Khartoum. But again, I think it's a um, it's not like a, a one country uh, that can do anything. It, it has to be a community, an international community itself, to move, and we have to use. The, uh, the the resources that we have right now in in in, in the country basically you know the, the mechanics that we had in place and try to to suggest some changes the other thing is 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 um uh, what you mentioned about the internal um there's no internal internal um intention between the between the rsf and the Sudanese armed forces to get into negotiations i don't think this is entirely um um I'm, I'm accurate we can see that the rsf they are um, begging an official international community to find a way for them um, to negotiate because they don't want to lose what they have achieved so far over the past four years. Uh, the the SAF, they are taking a very stubborn position. They're taking a very, um, um, uh, they're reluctant to um, uh, to have direct talks with the, uh, with the RSF. They're thinking, you know, the, the, the priority right now is basically to resolve this issue militarily. 
and that you know for the RSF to have to move outside of Khartoum with their troops and the areas that they are controlling. So I, there is a way to resolve this, but I think it would take it would take it would take uh, 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 time. Um, the shape and the form of whatever agreement that will take place now. Everyone is focusing on a ceasefire that you know they, they can make it permanent, that it can make safe, um, safe routes and for 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 humanitarian aid to flow to the to to Khartoum. So I think this is the focus right now. No, no one is, no one seems to be between the two parties interested in a direct talks or political process. At least for the for the RSF and the RSF in this process, political parties they are uh, made it clear from the beginning. The FFC, the uh, the they made it clear that you know they are against the war. And the, and the solution has to be a political solution and for the transition to continue. But Solomon, once again, we are facing a, a situation where the international community is getting involved, like our guest in Manama was talking about, the various different mechanisms for talks are coming on. But until it's an African solution for African problems, we're going to see this again. Isn't this an opportunity for the nations surrounding Sudan to come together and talk to Sudan and be bring an internal solution. Let's not rely on the US anymore. Let's not rely on the UK anymore. Surely this is the opportunity. Well, I think um, it, it's one thing to have that kind of ambition uh, for uh, being able to, uh, you know, exercise responsibility and leadership uh, and bring the two sides uh, to the, you know, to the peace table, as it were. Uh, indeed, that is what the African Union IGAD have been trying to do, uh, if you recall, uh, just uh, a day after the outbreak of this fighting on the 16th of uh, April, the Peace and Security Council of the African Union convened an emergency session. On the same day, the Intergovernmental Authority on Development, IGAD, the regional body, also convened uh, a, uh, a heads of state extraordinary meeting exactly to take leadership, but also to press on the uh, two sides uh, into submitting uh, to a cessation of hostilities. Uh, I think there is so much that they can do in terms of the labor uh, that they have uh, to bear on the two sides. Uh, so it is important, therefore, for these countries, uh, since they can't buy themselves alone, whatever they have is not enough to uh, induce the parties into coming to a cessation of hostilities. What that requires is, therefore, to enlist the support and leverage of others uh, within the region, but also beyond the region. That's why the role of uh, countries such as uh, those in the Gulf, uh, the role of the U.S. becomes so important. And it's important to recall that uh, during the transition process, uh, while the trilateral mechanism involving the U.N., the African Union and IGAD uh, was at the front of it. Uh, the four countries making up the quad mm. were the ones uh, were exercising leverage uh, in pushing through uh, some of the, uh, you know, the peace uh, agreement that the, the framework agreement that was signed in December, for example. But I think there were also lessons that need to be learned. There is so much focus on trying to get the two sides only. Uh, not right. enough attention is being given to the wider Sudanese public uh, who are opposed to this bloody war and who have been a champion of uh, solidarity, but also peace. And the voice of the wider Sudanese public needs to be harnessed. And there is there should be a way in planning talks between these two sides 
to ensure that the Sudanese civilian public is also adequately and effectively represented, including the members of the resistance committee who have displayed an incredible level of humanitarian activity. Uh, well, that's, it's a very interesting point. It's a very interesting point, Solomon. Let's bring in Abdul Khaliq uh, Shaib here. Abdul, you're a, you're a, you're a lawyer. Um, I remember a few years ago, the Sudanese Lawyers Association in Khartoum was a very powerful organization with a civil society voice, the kind of civil society voice that Solomon Derso is talking about. Has that voice now disappeared? Where is the Sudanese civil society here when it comes to this conflict? Um, so uh, the Sudanese Civil Society, um, the, the, the Sudanese Lawyers Association, when they came up with the uh, with the with the initiative to come up with the constitution, so so to speak, they came up with the constitution. It was part of the drafting um, um, committee or the, or the experts who've been part of part of this at, at, at some of the stages. But again, they wanted uh, they wanted the constitution to work as a process. And actually, you cannot have a process by a constitution because the issue has never been, you know, whether whether you can have a constitution in place. We had a constitution in place. No one respected that constitution, not even during the transition, not even after the coup. So I think it, the, the, people they thought, you know, if you're having a constitution, the constitution could be a political process. So they've used the constitution by the Sudanese um, um, uh, Lawyers Association, and then they pushed that to a political process. They started, you know, workshops, mm. different workshops around, you know, areas relating to peace and, and security. But again, when they came to the peace and security, and when they came to the issues relating to reintegration of the RSF within the army, here, here was the conflict. You know, the, 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 the Sudanese armed forces, they made it clear from the beginning that, you know, they need that reintegration to be as soon as possible. They need it to be within two years. Uh, and then the RSF, they wanted that to be within 10 years. So I think I think uh, the, the, the political parties now they they are watching this they, they they are trying to help but I don't think this is beyond um, the civil society to contribute I think the civil society right now um, what they are trying to do is basically make sure people are safe people are um, 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 cared for people are uh, you know able to go to hospitals and get treatment which is not the case right now I mean most of I think ninety or eighty percent of, of hospitals sorry Abdul Khalik we we are running out so, yeah. we are running out of, we are running out of time and I do want to bring in uh, Ramaji here Ramaji uh, we've talked a lot about the refugee crisis about the political diplomatic role Chad can play but in the very very short term. The longer this war goes on, there is a danger that RSF forces could fall back to the border with Chad, and that could create a real instability and a real problem uh, for some members of the Chadian government, but certainly in, within that region. Is this a short-term concern for you? Uh, for sure, there's, uh, there's this kind of concern, because actually, uh, what about the, the, the issue of that conflict, actually, uh, the RSF losing ground uh, around Khartoum and getting back to Darfur, uh, might be might be something that would change uh, ethnic groups uh, equilibrium in that zone. Uh, but also the RSF winning uh, that fighting actually might also have an impact. So in the short term, whatever the issue of that conflict, there might be a lot of impact uh, on Darfur and then on Chad, uh, because uh, there was a very big component or ethnic uh, character of the forces that actually are fighting within the RSF. Uh, these are mainly uh, Arab tribes gathered under uh, MAT's command. And we also know that in the past, uh, equilibrium between the different groups in Darfur, uh, meaning uh, the, the Rezegat, uh, the Zakawa, uh, the Masalit, and the others have always been very fragile. So any change in the position of the RSF actually might have an impact uh, in Darfur and meaning also in Chad as a spillover.
I want to thank all our guests, uh, Ramaji Hunaythi, Abdul Khaliq Shaib, and Solomon Derso. This episode was produced by Mohammed Alashi, Nihad El Abedi, Fungi Enguin, and Jimmy Getahan. Studio sound was by Renjit Kurian. The program was edited by Anna Savage, Len Enguin, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Wednesday for our next episode. We live in a world where the news is at our fingertips. But how often do we stop scrolling and just listen? I'm Malika Bilal, and starting May 1st, The Take will be a daily news podcast, bringing you the context and the people behind the global stories that matter. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.